Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Jeff Blake. He is the Chief Operating Officer or COO of Satellite Office. Jeff is truly a veteran of the industry. He has been living in the Philippines, I assume, for 23 years. He's been working in the Philippines for the last 23 years, and he has seen the outsourcing industry literally grow from a spec, literally nothing, a very nascent early industry into the phenomenon that it is today. 10 years ago, he joined Satellite Office, which again was at the bleeding edge of the what I refer to as next-gen outsourcing and they have seen incredible growth at Satellite Office and also an incredible product being developed there. So really, really great conversation with Jeff. It's a wide-ranging conversation. We reflect a little bit on COVID. We talk about work from home, multidisciplinary teams, a lot of great stuff in there. I really enjoyed myself and found a lot of value. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Jeff, I'm really excited. You are the COO of Satellite Office, and it's one of those names that's really been in the industry a long, long time. It's got great branding. It's really synonymous with the evolution of the outsourcing industry. So it's great to have you on the show. And you yourself, you're you're also a bit of a veteran to the industry. And we were talking before the show, you've been in the Philippines 23 years. So maybe, Jeff, give us a quick overview of your career to date, and then we can also get the lowdown on Satellite Office. Great. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. So yes, you are correct. I have been in in the Philippines for 23 years and really at the advent of the BPO call center industry. So I think when I got here, there were two other call centers that were around. And my previous company was the first one actually to come in under Peza. So it has been a long time. I've seen the industry go from basically nothing 
to, to, to over 1.5 million people employed, and that's just direct employment, and to becoming number one in GDP, which has been great for the country to see these things grow, but also all of the side industries that have come from it as well, whether it be the provisions of IT support and all the, and the food and restaurants that are now open 24 hours and all the different things that we've been able to see that have seen the country grow has been absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, it's been really exciting to, to watch the growth and to be a big part of it and to continue on with the industry and see kind of how the industry has shifted over the, the past 20 years. In, in line with that, and that's where satellite office has kind of come in and, and taken a bit of change too, because we're not a traditional outsourcer and we aim to do exactly what our name says is to create our a satellite office for our clients here in, in, in Manila. And sometimes when we go to, to sell it, it's almost like if you were to create an office, if you're based, say you're based in Sydney, if you were to create an office in Perth, how would you do that? And that's kind of what we aim to do and, and provide that support for our clients. So we work with them to provide them with consultant, almost with a consultant approach to, to help them grow their business offshore with us. We work very closely from a recruitment perspective hiring dedicated employees for our clients and then we'll, we'll take the client's job description and go straight there. And then from there, it's providing tremendous HR and back office support to the clients to help them best manage their teams in the Philippines. Got it. So, you know, you don't really get involved in the day-to-day operations, the day-to-day activities of the staff, but you're there, you're providing the facilities, the HR, the, the operational oversight, and the client gets on with that. Yeah. Correct. And how, how have you gone then? When, when did it start? When did Satellite Office start? So we've been around for just over 10 years. So we're on, uh, on our 11th year and things have been going great. I've been with them for seven and we've continuously grown year on year between 30 and 40% year on year. Uh, we're at over 1600 staff now within our stable and we look forward to, to continue our growth trends and ev- everything has been pointing very positively since the beginning of this year. Congrats. Yeah, I think this year is a lot more positive, actually, compared to 2023, isn't it? Like, it, you know, the glo- no one knew what was kind of happening in 2023, and a lot of people were quite conservative as a result, I think. But I, I think there's a lot more kind of positivity in 2024. Do you get that sense? I, I definitely agree with that. And we're seeing a lot of good movement from not only from our current clients, but from some growth in, in terms of our sales pipeline and some of the things that we've been doing there. I think they're in 2023, especially in the Philippines, because you almost have to remember is that our COVID restrictions really stopped at the end of 2022. So going into 2023, there was still a lot of uncertainty with coming out of COVID, how things were going to work, where were we, how were we best positioning ourselves as an industry? Also with the, the change in the government that has also provided a little bit, a lot more hope in terms and, and things that has been really good for the industry as well, which has helped propel it forward, I think. So as we've turned the year, we've seen a lot of really good things come out of it and the growth and the ex- almost the excitement going into 2024 is much more than it was throughout last year. It really is a tale of two cities, isn't it, in terms of what you saw in the Philippines during COVID versus the US, for example. The US was, it was economic party town for 2021, 2022, you know, like the economy just was on a rip roar. Whereas in the Philippines, like kind of people were locked down. The economy was 
jilted. BPOs were just sort of wrangling with PESA in terms of the right licensing. And it was kind of a lost period, wasn't it, for a lot of, for all of COVID, for an extended period of COVID versus in the US, it was boom time. Yeah, I think with, with COVID, we, there's a lot of good came out of it. And there was some other things that weren't great with it. But one of the things, especially with our sales piece, and as we've been able to work with our clients is a lot of clients were forced to do digitalization internally within their offices. And, and they were forced to do things to allow people to work from home. So we, we've been able to, to, to position that now and say, look, you've been able to work from home. We've been able to do a lot of different remote working with your team there. So why not do that in Philippines? Right. So there has been, it was almost a global case study on remote work and how it can be beneficial to you as a company. So that there are some benefits that have come out of it. You know, during the COVID period, things were very slow. There was still a lot of uncertainty in terms of even getting vaccines and, and how all of that worked. But, you know, the, a couple of the other things that have come out of it, the, the carriers did really come forth and the bandwidth in the Philippines is now much stronger and the internet mm-hmm. speeds are much better. And, and the price of those services has dramatically, oh, I've seen a dramatic decrease in that in my own personal home internet, but with better service. So a lot of those things that have come out of it from over the last year and a half have been positives for the Philippines, I think, but the, you are right in terms of the uncertainty and the wrangling with PESA and, and, and what we can do from a work from home perspective and not, and it, it's gotten a lot better now, but during the COVID period, we, there was a lot of uncertainty and nervousness, um, across the industry. Yeah, I think the last three or four years with COVID obviously being the catalyst, it, it's, you know, history's really favoured our business model, hasn't it? You know, just with the sort of increasing acceptance of remote work, people going remote, people f- being forced to adopt remote work uh, principles. And it's just done wonders for the acceptance of global employment. And it's probably accelerated things by five to 10 years in that regard, which is fantastic. Um, when, when you, you know, with Satellite Office starting about 10 years ago, you've been in the industry about 23 years, but when Satellite Office started 10 years ago, that was kind of the bleeding edge again of this, what I refer to as next-gen outsourcing, uh, like in terms of the seat leasing model, staff leasing mm-hmm. model, uh, as opposed to the more traditional call center model. So what did you learn taking that next step and kind of going back to the bleeding edge of this new evolving industry? How have you seen that evolve over over the last 10 years? It's, it's, it's evolved tr- tremendously. And you know, I, I originally was on the big edit pound in the big call center world. And, and when the opportunity came to move to, to, to satellite office and do what, what I'm doing now, it was that model that really intrigued me. And, and it was the model how, that How I did really you transition? Because there's a lot of call center people now that still don't get the model. Yeah? Like, were you kind of scratching your head saying, how can this work? Or did you see it as a really you know, amazing um, iteration of the call centers. No, oh, I loved it. It's the reason, it was the main reason I moved. You know, a lot of times with the call centers, it's, it, it can be toxic in terms of dealing with clients. It can be very tough when on the big end of town, we've got one, two, 3,000 FTE and, and, and working with them. I've really enjoyed being able to work very closely with our clients 
being able to feel like I'm really affecting not only just their business in, in, in a positive way. And I, I think the key to the model that we provide that's, that's very different is that we can build multifunctional teams for our clients. It's not just doing customer service. It's not just building an IT team, but we can work together very closely with the clients to create multidisciplinary teams so I can have a finance team, I can have a, a CS team, and I can have a development team and a marketing team all in one office. And mm-hmm. we're able to work with them and recruit for those teams. And just, we work very hand in hand and do what we can to almost be the consultants for our clients and how best to do this and work closely with them to do so. So some of our clients have started and we had them at three people and then they've grown to, to well over a hundred and it's been great to have worked with them in the beginning of their business and watch them grow into multi-million, potentially hundreds of million dollar businesses that, that, that we've been a big part of since day one. It's such a powerful value proposition, isn't it? In that you can sort of build an entire office multidisciplinary team and it doesn't have to be big numbers. You can get sort of one designer, three web developers, but you're building an entire team offshore. And, you know, like a lot of people, when you talk about remote, people talk about distributed workforces and having people all over Mm -hmm. the globe. But I really think there's a lot of value in having them all in one office, you know, or the sort of in one geography and collaborating, isn't it? You just get a lot more synergy and sort of a li- alignment between the people in the team and you get a lot sort of better results, yeah? Yeah, in many ways, definitely. And, and we've been a big proponent of the, the Philippines and the Philippine workforce. And as a big part of that, Filipinos really, in a way, find the office and their teams at work as almost a second family. And as part of that, they do build that synergy. They do build that teamwork. It makes it more better from growing that team and building that team and keeping them in. But it's, we've done them. We're focused solely on the Philippines for right now and working with that and those teams. But the more we're able to keep the teams together and working together, the, the, the better the teams are and the lower the attrition. Yeah. And just looping back to the beginning, Jeff, you, you know, you've been in the industry 23 years and you've seen it grow up, you know, I've seen it literally evolve from kind of nothing. We're seeing a lot of, you know, entrance, new entrance to the outsourcing game, whether it's like Kenya, Ethiopia, Vietnam, Fiji, but it, it's not that easy, is it? You know, they have the staff, but, you know, and potentially they have the infrastructure, but it's not that easy to get uh, an effective, efficient industry up and running off the ground and to have deep kind of executive talent pools and things like that. Do you think that what the Philippines managed to do in terms of building this massive sort of industry shining kind of economic light, do you think other countries can easily replicate it or is there sort of a lot of magic in there that is really hard to replicate? That's a great question, actually. And look, I think, can it be done? Yes, it can. Is it gonna? Is it easy for these other countries to do so? Absolutely not. I, I think the biggest ingredient to the Philippines and the success of the Philippines in terms of how it's grown, how the industry has grown throughout the year, has been the people. It has been the Filipino people are absolutely phenomenal to work with. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of my time here and and working with the teams here. And they have not only do they have a genuine 
desire to work hard and do a good job, but they have a genuine desire to really succeed and to want the country to succeed as well. So the the belief that if I'm working hard and I do a good job and uh, our clients grow here, then it's going to be better for, for the country as a whole. And we've seen that. And the industry made some really good decisions early on in, in, in when we first started to to build and grow the industry here to where as people came in, it, it, we weren't going to go and fight each other in, in, in the Philippines. We're not going to fight each other to gain clients. We're not going to fight each other to do this. The, the global outsourcing pie is amazingly big and it continues to grow year on year. And we're still only a little portion of that pie, right? But, you know, it, it was very early on that when we discussed if we can build a very strong, sound industry to be able to grow that, then everybody in the Philippines is going to be able to grow. And, and we've seen a lot of that and the, the ability to do so. And again, it just, it all goes back to the, the, the people and, and the Filipino people and being able to really show the Filipino spirit and, and, and their work ethic. And it's just been a great experience for myself, for satellite office. And I think for a lot of other outsourcing companies that are in the industry here, as we've seen the, the industry grow over the last 20 years. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I have a lot of countries reach out, you know, whether it's like Uzbekistan or Jordan or Sri Lanka, and they just see the kind of the economic miracle, which is the Philippines or India to some extent with massive sort of outsourcing industries. And the, the reality is like all of them, you know, this is a massive opportunity for all of them because you don't have to sort of develop a domestic economy, which is really hard to get starting. You just need to tap into the global economy. But, it, you know, it's not that easy, is it? Like there's many hurdles. Like there's, there's sort of all the basic competencies, there's the cultural alignment, there's the language, there's the infrastructure. But then it's also just having that know-how, having that executive talent. It's really like a startup, isn't it? You've got to treat it like a new business. And these things are delicate at the beginning. It, it, it is very delicate and there were a lot of hurdles that, that, that took place early on. And I think the biggest piece that I found to be most difficult the first couple of years was that middle level management talent. And you, you, we would have great agents and great like lead agents, but finding that those team leaders, those ops managers, it was a, really important for us to come up with training plans to grow and develop that talent internally, because it just wasn't, there was a whole bunch of it externally that could, mm -hmm. so be able to grow it and build it internally was very important for the success of the industry to, to be able to, to do that. Also, and you can't, you can't build that overnight, can you? You know, that that's, yeah. it's, there's now 30 years of talent being kind of built and uh, molded, you know, and, and now because of that 30 year old, 30 year window, you, you've now got executives with 30 years of experience in the industry. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. It just continues to grow exponentially year on year. And some of the talent that, that's been developed has been amazing. I, I, I look at some of the first managers we, we hired in 2001, and you look at their LinkedIn now, and a lot of them are have made careers abroad or COOs and C-level executives here. And it's just... I really enjoyed watching their careers progress throughout that time. But it's, again, it's across the whole industry, watching that, that growth and being able to see people now 
they're going, Filipinos are going to the Dominican Republic and consulting on how to build their centers. Or Filipinos are going to South Africa or Gigi to go and say, this is how we did it in the Philippines. Yeah. So, so watching these career progressions has been phenomenal. Yeah, it's exciting to see, isn't it? And with Satellite Office 10 years ago, you know, well, I started uh, employing staff in the Philippines about 11 years ago, and it was hard. Like, there wasn't the breadth of talent with multidisciplinary teams, as you say. You know, you need maybe a developer, a designer, a kind of broad skill sets, aren't they, a lot of them? And it was a lot harder. How have you found the development of the talent pool over the course of the 10 years? Well, I think it's grown tremendously. I think some of the things that we've seen and, and, and what's been really good is that the Philippines isn't just customer service anymore. We're, as a country, we're, we're able to provide many more value-add roles, many more value-add opportunities uh, to our, our clients across multi-disciplines. You know, especially over the last 10 years as we look um, from a finance perspective or a digital marketing perspective, and especially a development perspective, it was a struggle and, and it was very difficult to find some of the, the, the talent and some of the skills that, that are being demanded now. But over the years, especially in the tech market, you've just did a lot. We're able to build 70, 100, 200 person development teams that are multidisciplined and you know, have the abilities to, to develop and do QA and BAs and do all the different work that, that, that associates with different technologies. And they, the teams are learning the new technologies and growing with the organizations as well. It, unemployment levels are at record lows and it's super competitive out there to get the right people. There's a skilled labor shortage and keeping people engaged and keeping attrition rates as low is really important, isn't it? Especially when you've got 1,600 people to keep happy. How do you go about that? Like, what is in that special source to keep people engaged and happy? It's a lot of work, and there's not one silver bullet. I, it would probably be the thing I would say is that, you know, we really work very hard on our engagement, some of the things that we do. So we look at it in three, three pieces. One is really focusing on engagement activities. We're doing things that we can do to keep people excited. So we'll do daily, weekly, monthly type things, but also a bunch of big effects throughout. So that, that's one piece. The other piece is really focusing on our learning development programs. So especially during the pandemic, it was always in-class learning. You would go and, and, and sit in the classroom and, and that the, the pandemic changed. So we worked really hard with our suppliers to to work on creating and, and, and bringing in a full new learning development program that, that we're able to, to provide to our staff um, and allow them to, to be able to take part in that. Every single one of our staff members gets a license to our full catalog of over 10,000 courses. Um, and it allows them to not only learn and grow their own skills personally from a work perspective, but it also allows them to holistically grow skills, whether it's leadership, whether it's if they like to do Photoshop and take pictures and they want to do Photoshop, they can go and do that. And it allows the staff to really become and the team to become the best members, or sorry, become the best versions of themselves that they really truly can be. And then thirdly, we work really closely with our clients to, to help them ensure that they're integrating because as they're in charge of the day-to-day -day management, 
to do what they can to make sure that they're integrating the, the, the teams here into their overall global outlook as well. So it's not just, oh, there's that team in the Philippines, but really make them integrated as part of their business and, 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 and to do that. And to, if they're doing activities in Australia or the U.S., to do what they can to make sure they allow them to be a part of the here in the Philippines as well. So it's, our attrition levels are really low. We've also been awarded the Great Place to Work certification two years in a row. And also this year, it's a first time I've seen the awards come out, but we were part of the Philippine Daily Inquirer's Best Employers in 2024. So something's working. Not And like I said, it's not one little thing. It's an overall holistic approach to employee engagement and learning and development that, that truly worked for us. Yeah, well done. It's a, it is a huge effort, isn't it? And it's relentless. You can't just sort of apply for one award and kind of forget it. It's every day, isn't it? And how have you seen this evolve? You know, because it's a hard industry to to keep people aligned because you maybe have, you know, two or three different shifts. People could literally cover seven days a week. And then also you have some working from home and some working from an office. So it's really difficult to get this kind of sense of um, one, you know, <laughs> How, how do you kind of spread it across the organization? I assume you just need sort of multi-modalities and a lot of repetition. And is there any kind of secrets to that? Lots of care, lots of people, and some sleepless nights. But no, COVID really, COVID changed the game on a lot of this too. Because again, everything always used to be done in the office. So we now do a mixture of online and, and on-site pieces. We have a full, our engagement team is fully 24 hours. So we're able to work and engage with the people during the day shift and work and engage with people during the night shift. I try to make sure to just even personally start a little bit earlier on certain days to go in and make sure that I can go and see everyone on the night shift and make sure that they, you know, still feel part of our senior leadership and that they're able to at least be able to ask questions and to be able to talk to us as well. But it's, it's difficult. There's no no question about it that it's something that is uh, we work really hard on. We invest a lot of time and money and um, to make sure that uh, not only are we doing everything we can to keep the staff, the team members engaged, but also making sure that they have an outlet to be able to ask questions and be a part of uh, some of the, the, the decisions that, that are being made to, to help make their lives better on a daily basis. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? It really is kind of a key requirement these days to keep people engaged, keep them happy and keep them product productive. And of course, there was a massive change through COVID in terms of embracing work from home, remote work. I assume you now offer both options in terms of remote work and office-based. Do you have any insights into that? <laughs> Do you have a preference? <laughs> you know, what do you think is, is the best for outcomes? Yeah, so of course we've had to evolve and adapt in time. So we offer work from home, work from office, and hybrid models to our clients. If we didn't, we we wouldn't be able to survive. But uh, you know, then in in terms of that, we we work very closely again with 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 our clients to really focus with them as to what is it that that they want, and we try to be as flexible as we possibly can to do so. Personally, from a preference, I. I work in the office four days a week. I like being in the office. I like feeling the vibe. I like being able to talk to people and, and, and do that. We understand that there are certain roles that it will be very hard to 
hire from a work from office perspective. Even before the pandemic, developers didn't want to work from the office. Now they really don't, right? So to, to, to try to open your pool of development talent, you, you need to really offer work from home there. But on the, on the flip side, from a customer service perspective, I firmly believe that it's a much better environment in the office. People can ask questions and collaborate and, and you can get that help that you need right away if there are issues and you're able to build that team environment and, and, and things like that. So personally, if I was saying, what does Jeff Blake want to do? I, like I said, I work in the office four days a week and the week, the day I don't is because my, my, my kids are online school. So someone's got to be there to watch after them a little bit, but it, I personally, I love the office environment and being in there, but understanding that, you know, there are so many benefits to working from home as well especially with the, the traffic in the Philippines and, you know, if people have to commute, I, I'm lucky I have a car, right? So uh, I don't have to, commute. I don't have to worry about things like that. So keeping the, our employees in mind and, and what's best for them too, in terms of commutes and travel and the difficulty. And, and a lot of times you, you'll get some added productivity because if you have to commute three hours a day, if they don't have to yeah. do that, they, you know, they get an extra, they'll give the company an extra hour and a half and, and maybe they'll give, get an extra hour and a half for their family. So it's a way to win for everybody there too. So it's really working with our clients to understand what's best and what they need. It's understanding what the, the employees need and what they want and working to come up with the best solution on an individual basis. There's and how have you seen... Yeah, how have you seen the client's understanding of what we do evolve over the last 10 years as well? Like, is it, you know, I imagine 10 years ago, I, I, I know 10 years ago, it, it was still a pretty kind of weird concept, yeah? And now I think clients sort of, they understand, they might not know the mechanics of quite how it works, but they sort of understand the concept. And eventually, I assume, they will kind of understand all the mechanics and then it's really just choosing the best provider. How is that kind of, how do you see the evolution of the client sort of comprehension over the last 10 years? Oh, it's night and day. I'd say 10 years ago, the biggest piece that you had to sell was the Philippines and selling what it is that the Philippines can do and what it is that, you know, that we're able to do, not even going into roles and whatnot. Now it's, it, it's almost accepted that outsourcing and offshoring is, is there. So the sales process isn't selling the Philippines per se, it's more selling what our capabilities are and what the things that, that, that we can do that set us apart from our competitors. We have a much more sophisticated client. Now, most of the time, instead of bringing someone on board and, and walking through the steps there, it's more of, I've had teams in the Philippines, I know what's going on. You know, these are the things that, that we're looking for from you versus us having to do a lot of education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So what do you think is the deciding factors then? Like, is it, you know, are they, the kind of, cause you know, apparently when Netflix first started or certainly when they kind of started their, um, direct TV thing, uh, the website had to explain the processes for actually watching a video. And mm -hmm. it's kind of as the market matures and becomes more educated then you can kind of move on can't you you can kind of you now don't need to explain what netflix is how it works how to get people to play it and you kind of the conversation moves on so what do you find the conversation is with clients now or the apprehensions or or the real sort of valuable nuggets for for clients 
I, I think from a client perspective, the biggest differentiators are the quality. And it's what, how can you as an organization provide me with what I need specifically? How flexible are you in being able to address my needs? What value add can you provide to us as an organization rather than just a cookie cutter approach and, 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 and those kind of things? You know, we work very hard to, to work closely with our clients and be very flexible and understand, try to really understand the business that they have. What is it? What is the pain point that they're trying to solve for? Because each company is different. Right. And there's not, there's not a one size fits all approach anymore to offshoring and, and what people are looking to do. So it's really sitting down with our clients and potential clients, understanding what their pain points are. How can we best solve them? But also continuing that conversation. So it doesn't just stop when you sign the contract and, and you bring on the first five, 10 people in terms of their team. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not just a set and forget. It's, it's sitting there and constantly engaging with them and understanding what are we doing, what's working well, but what are the other things that we can do to, to help you out? What are the learnings that we're seeing from not only you, but from other people in, in, in your space and how do you compare to other people in your space? And what are we seeing in terms of industry trends and how can we capitalize on that and be at the forefront of the, capitalizing on those things? Yeah. Are you surprised that, you know, you've been doing this 23 years, I've been doing it 12 years. Are you surprised that it's moving a little bit slower? Like I, I kind of thought this is an absolute killer idea. The value proposition is huge. Every business is going to be offshoring at least one person by whenever. And, but it's still relatively small, low penetration for the SME sector, isn't it? Are you surprised by that? Or do you think that it, it just, is it reasonable amount of outsourcing or do you think it just takes time to convince people? Well, it's, it, there's trying to convince people when the right time is, especially in the, a, a lot of SMEs still have single owners who are really trying to focus in and, and doing everything, or it's the amount of management and breadth and the ability to really comprehend how they as a company are going to be able to integrate this into their day-to-day life. So I, I think that's where a lot of the confusion, but a lot of the, the apprehension in the SMEs does come from. But and a, a lot of times we'll see one or two staff members come on board and then, then it works. And then we prove the model and then they'll start adding a couple more and a couple more. And what was a team of three people for the first year becomes a team of 70 or a hundred in the next three, four years after that. And it's just, it's getting with our potential client partners, letting them understand how the model works and how it best works and what we can do to help you integrate it into your business, because that's when the success really happens. But it's, it's taking some time, but I think it's really starting to pick up steam now, especially now that people have had to, again, they've been forced to digitalize their product their processes. They've been forced to redo things within their organization to allow for remote work in their home countries. So now it's just coming up with an understanding that I can do it. And if I'm in New York, I can do it in Philadelphia. I can do it in Washington. I can do it in Des Moines, Iowa, but now I can do it in the Philippines also. 
So it's it, it, that's the, the the next step, and I think we're really starting to see that post pandemic. Yeah, it's all playing into the offshore narrative, isn't it? You know, it, it's not like we're going back to. 20 years ago, the conversation was around paperless offices, and you need to get to those things. You need sort of digital offices. You need digital interfaces for any of this to be possible. And now, you know, all these things, I remember them talking about paperless offices as in, you know, one day we'll get there and we all have to push towards it. And now it just seems ridiculous that anyone would print out paper. But so, you know, all these kind of hurdles have been overcome, and it's just, I think, the global perspective. But that'll help. That'll be eased as the Gen Zs and millennials start running their own companies and they're the sort of hiring managers and entrepreneurs, it's all, it, I think it's all just going to become kind of globalized by default, isn't it? It, it, it definitely is. And as do generations come in and as things continue to grow and evolve, you're really going to be looking at that global workforce and, and it's not going to be, there's going to be no stretch of the imagination to for a company and so and Sioux Falls to be able to send jobs over here to the Philippines. And then no one ever would have ever even thought about that 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, incredible opportunity. Jeff, thank you so much. Really, really good conversation. And again, congratulations on your stellar career and sort of watching this whole thing evolve from the front line. And of course, satellite officers, impressive growth. And of course, you know, you're vast personal experience so there's just so much value i always encourage people to reach out and have a conversation and just see just talk just have a chat about how outsourcing can transform you know each individual business and it it's potentially transformative so if anyone wants to get in touch if they want to know more about satellite offices office how can they do that yeah we, we we'd love to hear from anyone who wants to know more about satellite office uh you can go to the website at satelliteoffice.com, or you can reach out to me personally through LinkedIn at Jeff Blake, or you can even shoot me an email at justb at satelliteoffice.com. That was Jeff Blake. He is the COO of Satellite Office. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.